My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Hey there, welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace, and I hope you are uh, having a wonderful November morning or afternoon or evening, whatever time this may find you. I know there's some people that listen that have uh, told me that they actually fall asleep to the podcast sometime, and which I think is a compliment. You know, I'm glad I, I you know, you, you people can fall asleep to my voice. It means it's a pleasant voice, you know. Um, but uh, whatever time you may be listening to this, I hope you're having a wonderful November so far, and I'm excited for what we're going to get into on today's episode, and uh, believing for revelation, believing for uh, just seeing new things I haven't seen before, and um, I'm going to pray real quick. We'll get into the subject, and it's going to be good. Father, thank you for this opportunity to minister your word, Lord. I, I acknowledge I can't do anything without you, and I'm thankful for your anointing oil, Lord. Uh, to minister your word and to teach your word and to get into these treasures, Lord, in your word and to see things that we haven't seen before, Lord. And I just thank you for freedom. I thank you for answers in these few minutes, Lord. And I I thank you for showing me things I haven't even seen yet. And and we just thank you for the treasure of your word. And I, I join faith with everybody who's listening to this. And I thank you for giving them eyes that see ears that hear, and a heart that will understand and receive good things today, Father. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Uh, The title of today's podcast, as you can tell, is A Man of Rest. And, you know, anytime I have uh, that in the title, you know, a man of this or a man of that, you know, that's not gender specific. You understand the Bible uh, refers to man as a species, not just a gender. It does refer to it as gender. Um, But, you know, even when we talk about the sons of God, you know, that is male sons and female sons. Um, That's that's not uh, always exactly how we understand it in our mind. But uh, I want to talk about what it means to be a man of rest, a woman of rest, a person of rest. And I'll show you where this phrase comes from in the scriptures. In First Chronicles 22, 5, uh, it says, David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent. I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. You know, uh, even if it's not the right time, to do something that the Lord has called you to do, did you know that you can abundantly prepare for it? You know, God has timing, and we are in different seasons of life, and we never want to rush ahead of God's timing into something. You know, uh, God may have put a vision in your heart to do something, to have something, and it may not be that time just yet. But even if it's not, you can still abundantly prepare for it. And, and that is a part of the heart that God is looking for in people. Even if they're not doing something yet, they're excited about it. And, and they're anticipating it. Uh, they're looking for it. They're expecting. There's an excitement there to do something for God. And that blesses the Lord even before you actually do the thing. 
Uh, it said, He called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, uh, It was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. You know, just because you got something in your mind, uh, you still got to inquire of the Lord about it. You know, you may have something in your mind, but what is the Lord saying? Because look at the next verse. It says, But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. So he had something in his mind, but the word of the Lord came and said, No, no, I'm not going to have you do that. I've planned for your son to do that. But David was still able to prepare for it. You know, just because you have something in your heart and in your mind, you still got to wait on the word. He said, talking about Solomon, behold, he said, a son shall be born to you, the Lord is talking to David, who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, which in the margin it says Solomon actually means peaceable. Peaceable. He said, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. If you want to, where you are, if you're able to say that out loud, peace and quiet. (laughs) Man, um, what does it mean to be a man of rest? That's what I want to talk about today. Uh, Our aspiration should be to be men and women of peace, men and women of rest. Let me read this to you in 1 Thessalonians 4. Verse 9, he said, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Did you know that that's true? (laughs) Obviously, because the word said it. But you are taught by God to love one another. Which means no believer can, can say, um, I, you know, I, I don't know anything about the love of God because the moment you're born again, the Bible says that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And so uh, that love is there and the Holy Spirit is in you to teach you how to love other people. And the biggest problem with why people don't do that is simply because their flesh gets louder than their spirit. That love is in your spirit. But see, if you'll abide in that love and you'll build your spirit man up, like Jude talks about, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit and keep yourselves in the love of God. If you'll let your spirit man become stronger than your flesh, that love's already in there. You understand the love has been shed abroad in your heart, but the flesh needs to be put under for that love to come out. Amen. Um. But he said, and indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in all of Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren. Now, that's, that's strong. We urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Um, is it God's will for you to stay the same your whole life? No, he said, we urge you to increase more and more. Does God want you to increase in every area of your life? Yes, he wants you to increase. And he said, but also that you would aspire to lead a quiet life, 
to mind your own business, that's a word for somebody, and to work with your own hands, that's a word for somebody else, as we commanded you that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. That you may lack nothing. Um, is there a reason why people are continually lacking things? Well, it could be connected to not aspiring to lead a quiet life. It could be connected to not minding your own business. And it could be connected to not working with your own hands. <laughs> could it be that the reason people are lacking is because they need to get a job? Well, okay, I won't get into that right now. But, you know, this is there's truth in this. That's a whole other thing. But there's a connection, though, between being a person of rest and being given rest on all sides. That's what he just said about Solomon. There's a connection between being a person of rest and being given rest on all sides, lacking nothing. You know, he said this in James, uh, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And he says it here that you may lack nothing. Is it God's will that you lack nothing? Oh, come on. He wouldn't be talking to him about this. He wouldn't say, hey, we want you to increase more and more, and we want you to do these things so that you wouldn't lack anything if it was God's will for you to lack. Mm -mm. It's not his will. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, the condition of the sheep reflects the nature of the shepherd. But here's the thing I think people miss with that. Um, you know, he said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they would have life and have it more abundantly. And, and people will say, well, you know, that's what I don't understand. You know, I'm his sheep. And why am I in this condition? You know, I, I'm his sheep. You know, uh, shouldn't I be doing better? Shouldn't I have more? Why am I still dealing with this? Well, hold on a second, honey. Um, who are you following? See, a shepherd doesn't force the sheep to follow him. He leads. And the sheep can follow him or not follow him. And, you know, you, you can choose to follow a stranger's voice or you can choose to follow your shepherd's voice. And so if you're lacking and you're struggling and you got ribs sticking out and things are not good, well, is it possible that you hadn't been completely following the voice of your good shepherd? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, but he leads me. Besides still waters. You understand? He leads me into green pastures, which means I've got to follow him into the green pastures. So, yes, if I follow the shepherd, then I'm not going to be emaciated. I'm not going to be lacking in all these different areas. He's a good shepherd. He's going to provide for me. But the question is, am I following him? And so that's what we got to bring it back to. But God doesn't want you to lack. He doesn't want you to be without. He wants you to have peace. You know, peace, shalom in the Old Testament, it means nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. That's his will for you. Amen. But this is connected to being a person of peace and a person of rest. Amen. Look at this in 1 Timothy 2 verse 1. He said, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications. Now, this has to do with priorities. You know, I've talked about priorities a lot on the podcast. Uh, priorities. Well, what did he say? First of all, 
He said, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a what? A quiet and peaceable life. You could say, if you were going to translate this the way the Old Testament translated it, you could say that we may lead a quiet and Solomon life. (laughs) Well, hey, did Solomon lack anything? I know he got off in the end and he got away from the Lord. But in the beginning, uh, the Bible says that Solomon sought wisdom to lead God's people. And God was so pleased with it that he said, not only am I going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you riches and wealth and all these other things. And so he sought the heart of God and God added all these things to him. Does that sound familiar? Well, we're going to see something here in a second, but there's a connection between being a person of rest and seeking to please the Father. That's what we're going to see here. And Solomon pleased God with his request, and God added all these things to him. He didn't lack anything. Well, you could say, you know, that we may lead a quiet and Solomon life, you know, Um, especially in the early days. You know, Solomon had wisdom. Solomon had resources. Um, Jesus said uh, God closed the field even more than he did Solomon. So we know Solomon had good clothes. <laughs> you understand? So this is all connected to this quiet and peaceable life in all godliness that you not lack anything. Do you see that? And he said in reverence for, watch this, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. I, I want to highlight that to you. It's good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior that we lead a quiet and peaceful life without lack. Amen. Glory to God. That's pleasing to Him. It's good and acceptable in His sight. Psalm 35 says He delights in the prosperity of His servant. But in this verse, it's attached to a specific instruction. And it's also attached to having the right priorities, which in this case is praying for your leaders. Praying for people. Uh, Is that important to God? Is prayer important to Him? Now, we don't put our faith in prayer in general, but we pray to our Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus, and we know that when we do that, things change and things happen. And is it important to Him? Yes. Jesus said, "Um, I'm I'm telling you this, that you may pray and not faint. (laughs) Keep praying and don't faint. And so it's important. Jesus said about the temple, my house shall be a house of prayer. And so prayer is important to the heart of God. Well, you know, if you have uh, your spirit knows you need to pray, but you're not praying, it's hard to rest. And it's hard to be at peace. And one of the reasons why I think people are not at peace and not at rest is because they're not taking time to pray. They're not taking time to to yield to their spirit in that way. And there's a rest and a peace that comes with that. But did you know that prayer also paves the way for things to run smoothly in your life? And the more you take time to pray over things and to yield to the spirit in prayer, it can cause things to become quiet and peaceful in your life. And a lot of times the reason why things are so chaotic is because people aren't taking time to pray. But we're going to get into this in a minute. That doesn't mean you got to spend all day and all night praying. 
every day. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But prayer is important to the heart of God. But the ultimate result is what I want to highlight to you, and that's, that's you leading a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness. Look at this in Isaiah 30, verse 15. It says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved. In returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Amen. Returning, rest, quietness, confidence. What is confidence? It is steadfastness. It's boldness. But it's also strength. It has to do with strength. There's a wrong idea that being calm and being quiet and being peaceful, um, being meek, is somehow the equivalent of being weak. You know, they're quiet because they're insecure. You know, they're quiet because, you know, they, they don't feel good about saying anything. Well, that's true of some people. But did you know there's a lot of people who talk because they're insecure? Uh-oh. <laughs> there's a lot of people you can't get them to shut up because <laughs> they're insecure? What, what, what would that be? You know, people who can't handle uh, 30 seconds of awkward silence. Always got to fill up space. Always got to say something or else it's going to get awkward. It's going to get awkward. Well, let it get awkward. Be better to not say the wrong thing. The Bible says in the multitude of words, there once not sin. There lacks no sin in the multitude of words. Jesus was this way. He was not quick to speak. The Bible says be quick to hear and slow to speak. Amen. And being calm, being quiet, uh, being peaceful, being humble is not weakness. It's not weakness. And being loud and proud and forceful is not being strong. In fact, the opposite is true. The strongest people are those who learn to stay quiet when they're pressed to say something. And those who stay still when everyone is moving around like ants. <laughs> and who stay calm when everybody else is upset. People who stay at rest when everybody else is losing it. That is being strong. Amen? And, and, and it's not only being strong, but it's an evidence of being strong in the Lord. Because see, your strength will only take you so far. But you can tell when somebody's resting in God and relying on God because that's the fruit that it produces. They're peaceful. They're quiet. Doesn't mean they don't have anything to say, but they're not pressed into talking. You understand? And, and that quietness, that confidence, that's where your strength is. Do you see the connection there? But it started with returning and resting being strong in the Lord. Look at this in Ephesians 6, verse 10. And this is talking about how to deal with spiritual warfare. It, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the devil. How are you going to stand against the devil? By staying up night and day and praying in tongues and quoting every verse you know and and sweating and no by being strong in the Lord that's how you're going to stand against the pressure of the enemy is by returning and resting in the Lord being a person of rest in quietness and confidence shall be your strength 
there are times you don't need to be praying in tongues at the top of your lungs. Didn't mean for that to rhyme, but I'm sure glad it did. There are times you don't need to be quoting every scripture you know. The biggest thing is finding out what's the word for right now. What's the rhema word for right now? God, what are you saying? And, and getting quiet and getting still. You see this in John chapter 8. Jesus did this. Uh, he, he wrote in the sand until he heard from the Lord. And when the Lord gave him a word, he said it, and then he went back to writing in the sand. See, we want to be more selective. If we'll be more selective, we'll be more effective against the enemy. But it comes from returning and resting in the Lord, being strong in the Lord. Amen. And relying on God is what causes you to be at rest. And you rest because you're confident, and you're confident because you're at rest. You're relying on something stronger. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. What? What's that? You know, it's the second time I've done that. I'm sorry, Lord. I didn't mean to. But uh, there's a phrase I want to address in this podcast that came to my attention. I've heard it a few places. And you've probably heard it, too, because it's pretty popular in the church. But uh, this phrase, it's okay to not be okay. I want to talk about that. It's okay to not be okay. You know, you hear that a lot. You know, we just want you to know it's okay to not be okay. You know, just just know that if you come to church here, it's okay to not be okay. Well, <laughs> well what I want to talk about with that is it's okay to come to God in any state that you are. You know, no matter what state you're in, uh, it's okay to come to God in that state but to say that you remain that way is to say that God's not capable of bringing you up to par. If you're not okay and you come into God's presence that way and you stay that way and you continue to not be okay, that's saying that God's not capable of making you okay, of not bringing you up to the place you need to be where you're like, oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing good. If somebody's never at the place of being good, being okay, doing well, no matter what, there's always something wrong. Well, what is that? Something's off. Somebody's not not connecting with the Lord because God is more than able of bringing you up to the place you need to be in. And it is okay to come to God in any state. Now, the Bible does say he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That doesn't mean you've got to be smiling from ear to ear and quoting every scripture you know and acting like you're doing great. No, you can come to God with tears. You can come to God with emotion. You can even come to God with doubts you're dealing with. But the action of coming to God is believing in him and saying, Lord, I'm coming to you because I believe you are able to help me. You know, what did that one man say to Jesus? Lord, help my unbelief. You know, you don't need great faith to come to God. You just need a grain of the size of a mustard seed that says, Lord, I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time, but I'm coming to you because I believe you're the one who can help me and get me to where I need to be, even if I'm not there right now. You understand, you can come to God in that place, but you're not supposed to stay there. And, you know, this, this idea of it's okay to not be okay, um, what, what it's basically saying is it's okay to not be at rest. That's really what it's saying. It's okay to not be at rest. 
It's okay to be full of anxiety. It's okay to be full of depression and all these things. Again, yes, you can come to God with those things. But if you're staying that way, something's wrong. (laughs) Because in His presence is fullness of joy. You're not supposed to stay that way. It's not okay to stay that way. (laughs) Are you listening? It's not okay to stay that way. And if there's no rest, there's no faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Now, we come into His presence to get the rest that we need. But, uh, again, if you, if you never graduate <laughs> into that place, well, He said, let us labor to enter into that rest. Returning to God is getting in faith because you are getting into rest. When you return to God, you are entering into that place of rest. Amen. When you're relying on him, when you're coming back to him and saying, Lord, I can't do anything without you, but I'm coming to you because I believe you are the place that I find rest. Jesus said, come to me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You're not required to get rest before coming to him. That doesn't make any sense. No, he said, come to me and I'll give you rest. So to say that I've got to be in faith perfectly before I come to him is to say I've got to get rest before I come to him. No, that doesn't work. Because he said, if you want the rest, you got to come to me. But the act of coming to him is an act of faith. Because you believe, Lord, I'm not at rest right now, but I know where to get my rest. I'm coming to you and I'm going to get rest because I'm going to return. And that's where I'm going to be saved from this situation, from this panic, from this anxiety, whatever the case is. We're going to read that verse in a little bit more context here in a minute. But that's the big thing I want to emphasize. It's okay to come to God with your doubts and and even your fears and worries and struggles, but you're believing that He will help you overcome them. Amen. It's okay to admit, and it's good to admit, that you can't do anything without Him. And to lean back on his arms and pour out your heart to the Father. But what will the result be if you truly do that? The Bible says that the humble get grace. And if you come before the throne of grace for help with humility and with honesty, you're not going to leave without help. And if you're staying in that sad state, um, you're not really coming before the throne of grace. You're not really coming before him because if you come to the throne of grace, you're going to get help. Amen. If you'll humble yourself. If you come to God to get strong, you're going to be good. You're going to get better. It may not happen all immediately, you understand, but you're going to increase more and more. Do you see that? We brought it back to that verse. Uh, The Bible talks about how David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean he just put on a happy face and pretended to be okay. He encouraged himself where? In the Lord. You can't encourage yourself in you. You can't encourage yourself in your own strength. No, you've got to return to the Lord. You've got to come back to the source of comfort, of rest, of peace, of joy. That's how you get built up. That's how you get encouraged. You can encourage yourself in the Lord. You can't encourage yourself in yourself. That doesn't work. You can pretend but it's not real encouragement and you're running on fumes. No, you got to come back to the source. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, Let's read that verse I was just talking about. Um, In talking about aspiring to be at rest and being a, a man of rest, we got to look 
at the ultimate example of being a man of rest. We need to look at the man of rest. Amen. Let's look at the man of rest to get this example that we need to follow. In uh, Matthew 11, let's actually back up to verse 25 before we get into the next part. It says, At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, I think that should be in in quotation marks, and have revealed them to babes. You've revealed them to the little ones. What, what, What does that mean? Why... Why would it say he's revealed himself and revealed these things to the little ones? Because you have to be like a little child to receive the kingdom of God. There's a humility. There's a reliance there. That's what it is. Children are reliant on their parents. And he said, this revelation I'm about to give you, uh, little kids understand it. God reveals this revelation to the little ones. Amen. And it said, even so, Father, watch this, for it seemed good in your sight. What did he say in uh, 1 Timothy 2 about leading a life of peace and quiet? It said that this is good and acceptable in God's what? His sight. It's acceptable to him. He, He enjoys this. This pleases him. It pleases him to reveal these things to babes, to little ones. He said, all things have been delivered to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the son and the one to whom the son wills to reveal him. What is Jesus revealing about himself and the father? We'll read the next verse. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, if you'll come to me, I'm going to give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. He said, I will give you rest. There is a connection between rest in your soul and this gentleness, this meekness, this peacefulness and quietness. Do you see that? He said, come to me. Return to me, and I'm going to give you rest. The act of coming to Jesus is what it means to enter into that rest of faith. And it is an act of faith to come to him believing that he's able to do that, even if that's not the state you're in right now. Amen? And if you don't believe that's true, well, no, you can't please God that way. Because you're acting like you're coming to God, but you're not receiving from him. Because all you're doing is complaining and talking about how bad it is and how it's never going to get any better. And that can't please him. You're acting like he's not able to make you okay. You're acting like he's not able to bring you up to par. It's okay to not be okay. That's saying that, that you can come into God's presence without believing that he is and he, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. No, uh, it's okay to come that way. It's not okay to stay that way. Amen. He said, I'll give you rest. Something that the Lord brought to my mind recently is something I heard my father in the faith, Brother Keith Moore, say. Um, The Lord had asked him a question, and he said, Keith, am I unreasonable? You know, am I unreasonable in what I require of you? You know, when it comes to praying and reading your Bible and 
doing these different things. He said, am I unreasonable? Am I impossible to please? And the Lord brought this back to me recently because I've been talking about on the podcast getting our priorities right and things of that nature. But something I think I started to do was slip into this thing where I felt like I was always doing something wrong. And I felt like no matter what I did, there was always something else. And I was kind of getting into this place of really not being in rest anymore because I was thinking, well, no, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to get my priorities straight and I got to do this and I got to do that. And I, I was starting to feel like I'm not really pleasing to God. Like no matter what I was doing or trying to do somehow, I just wasn't quite cutting it. And the enemy's crafty. He does this with all of us and he wants to convince us that nothing we ever do is enough. And that it's impossible to please him. But what, what did Hebrews say about faith? It said without faith, it's impossible to please him. But what does that mean? Faith, those who believe enter into rest. So if there's no rest, there's no faith. And without that, it's impossible to please him. See, the enemy wants to get you out of the one thing that if you'll stay in that thing, you'll please God. See, he knows the one thing that makes it impossible for you to please God is getting out of faith, getting out of rest. So he wants us to get out of rest and start trying to do all these things to somehow please God, but it's never quite enough. No matter what we do, we never quite reach it. We never quite hit the mark. And because of that, we're not at rest and we're not at peace and we're actually distressed because we feel like no matter what we do, it's not good enough. And God's not accepting us, and we're not pleasing Him. And then that affects our faith, and our ability to resist the enemy, and our ability to believe for the things that we need. Do you see how the enemy works? And then, as a result of that, what happens? We end up lacking, and, and looking like we don't have a good shepherd, but that's not true. We do have a good shepherd, but if the enemy can get you away from the rest and the faith... And you start listening to a stranger who's cracking a whip at you and saying, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. You need to do more. You need to do more. And what he's trying to tell you is that it's impossible to please God. But that's only true if you get out of faith and you get out of rest. Do you see that? And that's a stranger's voice. See, the enemy wants to pile you with all these things you're doing wrong and all these things you're missing it in. And he wants to convince you that that's God. And as a result, people get to the point that they feel like, well, nothing I do is good enough anyway. No matter what I do, it's not good enough. And they get so overwhelmed that they don't want to try to do anything to please God. And they actually get offended with God, which is exactly what the enemy wants. But the Lord is over here saying, honey, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'll give you rest. If you're coming to me in faith, listen, if you come to me in faith, I'm pleased. If you'll come and get rid of that heavy burden, I'm pleased. And I'll give you my yoke, which is light and easy. I'll give you my rest. And that's going to please me. That's good and acceptable in my sight. And then you'll be living a life of peace and quiet and rest and no lack. And that is good and acceptable in my sight. It's not pleasing to the father to see his sheep off following a wolf and getting devoured. 
You understand that's not pleasing to him. He doesn't want that. Amen. Look at this in the Amplified Bible. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and watch this, blessed quiet. You'll find blessed quiet. He said, my yoke is wholesome, useful, good. It's not harsh. It's not hard, not sharp or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. Amen. That's his yoke. And the uh, other Amplified Bible, the newer one, it says, Come to me if you're heavily burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace. Can you get into religious rituals that provide no peace? How do you know if it's a religious ritual? Because no peace. It, it doesn't provide peace for you. Did you know that the Bible says even his correction yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness? Is it God's will that you be at peace and at rest? Yes. Yes. That's his will for you. That's what your good shepherd wants for you. Amen. In the Passion Translation, it says, this is actually one of my favorite versions. He said, I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. You got to connect to him. You got to abide in the vine. He said, learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and watch this, easy to please. Oh, I love that. I'm easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. I want you to really get this revelation today. God is not unreasonable. Reasonable. Excuse me. I like the way Brother Keith Moore said it one time. God is not unreasonable. God is perfectly pleasable. Amen. Uh, Look at this in Luke 10, verse 38. Uh, It says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was covered about with much serving. And she came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? She's questioning Jesus's care, his affection, and his love for her. Why? She's offended with Jesus because she's got it in her head that she's required to do all these things, and it's not quite enough. And now she's frustrated with Mary because Mary needs to help her do all these things so she can prove herself to Jesus. Has anybody ever gotten into this? ditch before, trying to prove themselves to people, trying to prove themselves to their parents, trying to prove themselves to their boss, trying to prove themselves to the Lord. You got to watch about this. This is a part of what Satan tempted Jesus with. He said, if you're really the son of God, prove yourself. And he said, you won't tempt the Lord your God. Jesus responded and said, don't tempt the Lord your God. You don't need to prove yourself to God. Now, God will prove you. God will do things to test and to prove you. But that's not you trying to prove yourself to God. God already knows what's in your heart. No, we do want to pass tests that God gives us for our benefit. 
We do want to pass tests so God can entrust us with more, but that's not the same as trying to trying to win God's approval. You understand? No, there are things that displease God, and there are things that, that we can do to grieve Him, and we don't want to do that. But we have to understand that the biggest thing that pleases God, that God approves of, is genuine faith and rest in Him. And, and well, let's keep reading here, and we'll see this. Uh, she said, don't you care that she's left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. And Jesus said, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. But watch this. One thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part that won't be taken away from her. Now, here it is right here. Peace literally means one. It literally means to set something at one again. And when God's dealing with you about something, He is not going to bombard you with a thousand things you're doing wrong. Are you listening? God is not going to bombard you with a hundred thousand things you're doing wrong, and it's never good enough, and as soon as you get one thing fixed, He's like, well, yeah, but you didn't do this. And, And then you get that fixed, and He's like, yeah, but you didn't do this. Well, you're not tithing enough. Well, you're not doing this enough. Well, you're not doing that enough. Well, what about this? What about this? No, that is the enemy. That's a stranger talking to you. No, He said, uh, Martha... Um, dear, calm down, <laughs> hush up. <laughs> um, one thing is needed right now. And Mary chose the one thing that she needs. Where did Mary find the one thing that mattered most right now? In rest, in peace, in coming and sitting at the feet of Jesus. Amen. And that's where she found that one thing. But Martha is careful and troubled about all these other things. And Jesus said, Martha, one thing is needful. In other words, there's one thing that God may be trying to talk to you about. There's one thing that God may be dealing with you about, but the enemy wants you so overwhelmed with all these other things, trying to prove yourself, trying to be up to par, never feeling like you're good enough, never making it, so you miss the one thing that if you'd get that thing right, you'd find rest. Are you listening? The one thing for right now. And and people do this with each other. They judge other people because of where they're at. But listen, do you know what God's dealing with them about right now? You may see something in somebody else's life and think, well, that's not right. They need to change that. They need to do that. They need to do this. But listen, what if at the moment God's dealing with them about something else that's more important? But you're, you're wanting to nitpick all the little things. You understand that you think are such a big deal and maybe they are important, but are they the one thing that's needful right now? You know, for instance, if somebody's not born again, is the most important thing to talk to them about uh, tithing? Should Should you focus your attention on talking to somebody about tithing if they're not born again? No, that's not the most important thing because you can tithe and still be lost if you don't have the Lord Jesus in your life. You understand? You can have the principle of tithing and still be lost. No, if somebody's not born again, there's one thing that's needful right now, and that is them knowing the message of salvation and receiving that. And until we fix that, there's no point talking about anything else. You understand? What's the one thing that's most needful right now? And this is why you don't want to be judging people. Because you don't know what God's dealing with them about right now. He deals with us about one thing at a time. And listen, 
whatever it is he's dealing with you about, I guarantee you once that's done, there's going to be something else he's going to want to talk to you about. You haven't arrived. I haven't arrived. So what do we need to focus on? Lord, what's the one thing you're wanting me to get right now? What's the one thing you're wanting me to work on right now? Because once you get that, then God can deal with you about other things. Amen. Let me give you an example of what I'm, what I'm talking about here. In Revelation 2, verse 1, I want to further confirm what I'm saying to you. It says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Watch this. Jesus is talking. He said, I know your works. He said, I know your labor. I know your patience. And I know that you can't bear those who are evil. He said, I also know that you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. You have accurately discerned people who were lying about who they are. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Good for you. Good job. He said, you found out that they were liars. He said, you have persevered and you've endured patiently. Man, these people are doing pretty good, right? He said, you've labored for my namesake and you haven't become weary. Well, he's really praising them. He's really telling them all the things they're doing right. Well, watch this part. He said, nevertheless, I have this against you. The Amplified Bible says, I have this one charge against you. Are you listening? He said that you have left your first love. What's, man, okay. So the first thing Jesus does, he literally tells them eight things they're doing right and getting right. And he's commending them and saying, good job. Good job. You did great. You're doing this right. Um, there's one thing I need to talk to you about. <laughs> Come on. Are you listening? He said, we need to work on what's happening with you and your first love, which is, of course, him. He said, you're doing all these things right, but you're not spending time with me like you used to. Uh, you're not enjoying my presence the way that you used to. Your affection for me isn't where it was before. You're doing all the works, and that's great, but something's off in the heart. Now, first of all, this shows that you can be doing all those things, but the most important thing to God is your heart and your love for Him. That's what He's the most concerned about. That's what's most important to Him. That's the one thing that is a priority to Him. Are you listening? Even if you're serving and working and doing all these other things, that's not the biggest priority to God. The biggest priority to Him is your relationship with Him. Are you listening? But we also see that He's not telling them 25 things they're doing wrong. Do you see that? But see, that's the way the enemy wants you to think it is. The enemy is the one who's going to bombard you with 85 things you're doing wrong and say, well, yeah, I guess you're doing that okay, but really that's not even okay. That's not good enough either. And you're doing this wrong and you're listening to the wrong music and you're watching the wrong this and you're doing this and you're doing that and you're doing that. And listen, that may be true. There may be other things in your life that are not totally right that you don't see yet, but God's going to deal with you about one thing at a time. And if you'll get that right, and if you'll, you'll listen and submit and obey about the one thing, then you're going to move on to the next thing, and that's how you increase and grow in Him. But my point is He's not unreasonable. 
He's not bombarding you with all these things you're doing wrong. He's not impossible to please. Are you listening? He's not impossible to please. He said one thing I have against you. We need to talk about this one thing. And so if you're feeling bombarded with all kinds of stuff that you're doing wrong and you're getting overwhelmed, listen, you are listening to the accuser of the brethren. Because Jesus is going to deal with you about one thing at a time. (laughs) Amen. Let's talk about this in the latter end of this podcast. What is it that God requires of us? Well, we know that he deals with us about one thing at a time. You know, in Timothy, he, he talked to us about praying and the importance of prayer. But really, what I would boil it down to is these two things. God wants us to walk in the light that we have and do what we know to do. He wants us to walk in the light that we have. That has to do with the one thing. And what I would include in that is putting God first place in our life. Putting God first place, walking in the light that we have, that's really what sums up what God requires of us. Is that hard? Is that mysterious? Is that complicated? Listen, is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you? Is that complicated? (laughs) No, but the enemy wants to complicate things. He wants to make it uh, seem like you can't ever really figure out what's going on. You can't ever really figure out what God's saying. It's always something that's kind of mysterious and out here. And maybe if you'd pray and fast for 25 days, you might kind of get a glimpse of it. But really, you're still not going to know it. And, and you're, you're never quite doing it. There's always something else. Do you see the trap in that? But what did he say in Ephesians? He said, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. He prayed in Colossians that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will. So, no, that's a lie from the enemy. He wants you to believe you can't ever quite get a grasp on what it is God wants you to do. (laughs) And you're never quite pleasing him. You're never quite there. It's a trick. It's a trap of the enemy. No, uh, Romans says that the word is near you, even in your heart and in your mouth. The Bible talks about the simplicity that's in Christ. Paul talked about this, not being moved away from the simplicity that's in Christ. And and he's referring to Adam and Eve in the garden when he said that. You know, they had a clear direction from the Lord. It was simple. They knew, but the enemy tried to come in and complicate it. You understand? And that's what he tries to do with all of us. Uh, Look at this in Micah 6, verse 7. It says, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil, Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression and the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? (laughs) What's he saying? No, that's not what pleases him. That's not what he finds good and acceptable. Watch this. It says he has shown you, oh man, what is good. He has shown you. What does that mean? Uh, It said that God revealed these things to babes. He has revealed these things to babes. He's already revealed something. God's not withholding light from you. He's not withholding revelation. Listen, God has already shown you something. Are you listening? And if you walk in the light of what he's already showed you, it would simplify things and you could rest and it would cause you to see more and to see the next thing. 
It says, He's shown you what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Is that complicated? Is that hard? Something that the Lord spoke to me years ago is I was really getting into a mess with these kinds of things. I was actually fasting a lot. And I got to the point that I felt like I was never fasting enough. And anytime I would eat something good or something yummy or whatever the case is, I almost felt guilty. Like I I was missing it. I wasn't being spiritual enough. And I I got into this place where I, I really was full of anxiety. And, and, and I wasn't doing great. I had lost my joy and I was always fasting. It seemed like I was always fasting and I never enjoyed fasting. I never wanted to fast, but I was, I was always fasting and not eating a lot. And I lost some weight and I thought, well, I gotta, I gotta do more. I gotta please God. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. And, and the Lord spoke to me. He actually spoke to me through somebody close to me and said, Ben, you need to rest in your walk with me. Oh, come on. That's a word. Thank you, Lord. You need to rest in your walk with me. What does that mean? It means I'm not living like God can't be pleased. And I'm not acting like my good shepherd is unreasonable and requiring all this stuff of me. No, I wake up saying, God, what's the one thing you want me focusing on today? Lord, what's the one thing that would please you the most today? What's the one thing that would minister to you the most today? Lord, help me to see and know the one thing. And when you know the one thing, you can be at peace. You can be at rest because God's not asking you to do something impossible. All he's wanting is first place in your life. He's saying, return to your first love. Let me have the place in your life you had before and just walk in the light of what I've shown you. Do you see that? God's not requiring you to do something he hadn't told you to do. He hadn't shown you to do. It's simple. It's easy. God wants you to be a man or a woman of rest. Amen. Glory to Nod. Gosh, glory to Nod. First I said glory to Glod. Then I said glory to Nod. These sound like false gods. Now I'm not saying that. No, Lord, you know my heart. You know what I meant. If I pray in tongues, maybe I'll be able to speak in English, you know. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. I said it. Psalm 131 verse 1 says, Lord, my heart is not haughty. My eyes are not lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. Amen. My soul is as a weaned child. What did he say? God reveals these things to babes, to children. Children get the revelation of come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, recently I I, uh, was visiting my sister and uh, my nephew who just turned one and he was asleep and my mom had to get up and go do something. So I held him for just a minute. And so he was asleep on my shoulder and, you know, he was completely at rest and he was completely relaxed, leaning on me, putting all his weight on me. And, you know, when he was sitting there sleeping, I thought the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, Ben, you know, Clay's not thinking about uh, the rent payment next month. Clay's not thinking about, you know, the van needs new tires. 
Clay's not thinking about all these things that are too high for him. Do you see that? He's not exercising himself in things that are too great for him. He's resting. He's sleeping. Now, I'm not saying we're supposed to just sleep all day. You understand. But spiritually, we're supposed to stay in this place of rest, relying on the Lord like my little nephew was relying on me. I felt like the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, Ben, this is what I want you to do with me. I want you to rest in me, to rest upon me. That's where faith is. And listen, that's pleasing to God. It pleases Him when you climb up and rest your head on His shoulder and say, God, I trust you. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know how we're going to do this. But Lord, I'm just going to rest in you. I'm just going to trust in you. Amen. That is pleasing to the Father. And God's not making things complicated. He's not making things hard on us. You know, as people used to say to Brother Kenneth Hagin, you know, you just make it too easy for people to get saved. You make it too easy for people to receive salvation. And he'd always say, I I didn't make it easy to be saved. God made it easy to be saved. Amen. And some people want to make it almost impossible to truly be saved. You know, no, it's not hard to be saved. It's not hard to stay saved. You understand? In fact, God made it hard to to not be saved after you've been saved. No, God's not making things hard on humanity. It's not making things hard on us. Yes, there's persecution and there's trials, but how do you overcome that by relying on the greater one that's on the inside of you? For just a second, I want to talk about something that causes people to not be at rest. Over in 1 John three eighteen, it says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. That's confidence. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. And watch this. Do those things that are pleasing in his sight. What did he talk about in Timothy? This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Um, A bothered conscience is something that will try to steal rest from people. You know, if you know you're supposed to be doing something or not doing something, and you're doing it or not doing it, and you know that you're not walking in the light that you have, it bothers you and it hinders your confidence, it hinders your rest. And so something that I want to mention is a lot of times the one thing that will cause you to be at rest is simply dealing with a bothered conscience. And it's not hard either. Again, the conscience has to do with what you know. So you can't have a bothered conscience about something you don't know. You understand? Now you can feel guilty and not know why, and that's not your conscience. That can be the enemy just trying to throw stuff on you. But if it's your conscience, well, how do you know it's your conscience? Because you know. Your conscience is about what you know, so you can't say you don't know if it's your conscience because it's what you know. <laughs> you understand? So if you know there's something that you've, you've done and that's not right, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have been a part of that, and it's trying to bother you, listen, it's not hard. Just repent and get it clear with him. Get it right. Make it right with him. And and if you'll if you'll stop letting that sit on you and you'll receive forgiveness and cleansing and confess it and forsake it, uh, you can get back into the light. You know, if you feel like you're in the dark, it's simple. Somewhere you got away from the light. (laughs) 
You understand? And I like he goes on to say in verse 23, this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. He said, this is the commandment. In other words, God's not hiding the commandment from you. He's not making it hard on you. I'll say it to you this way. If I get my conscience right, I'll walk in the light. If I get my conscience right, I'll walk in the light. And what am I going to find in the light? I'm going to find rest. Uh, lastly, just about lastly, in Psalm 25, 9, it says, The meek will God guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. And watch this. His soul shall dwell at ease. Oh, glory to God. His soul shall dwell at ease. You look that word up, it, it means to dwell confidently. It can also mean to lodge in goodness. It's like you're staying at a five-star hotel. You understand lodging in goodness, dwelling at ease, entering into rest dwelling at ease. You know, God's presence is what gives us rest. Coming into his presence, dwelling in his presence. What did David say in Psalm 27? One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, to enter into your sanctuary, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Get in his presence. That's the one thing. Many times, that's it. That's the one thing you need to do is get in his presence because in his presence, you see light. In his presence, you get rest. And that should be what we're always seeking is his presence. Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us. But God came right back and said, Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. If you'll prioritize and pursue above all else your relationship with the Lord and his presence, and in that place, say, Lord, what's the one thing you'd have me do? What's the one thing you'd have me focusing on right now? What's the one thing that's most important to you right now? What is the one thing that would be the most pleasing in your sight? And listen, if you'll do that, I guarantee you, you will find yourself at peace, at rest. You will be a man or a woman of rest. I hope you got something good out of this podcast today. Let me pray for you. Father, I, li I thank you for everybody that's listening to this podcast today, Lord. And I ask that you would minister this, this restful anointing to them, Father, and these precious words from the scriptures of rest to them. Lord, I, I pray that you would uh, just fill them with your presence, fill them with your love, pour yourself out on them, and let them just get that revelation that you desire them to be at rest and at peace, lacking nothing, Father. And I just thank you for that. Father, I pray for anybody who's listening that has not received you or doesn't know you, Father. I pray that you would draw their heart to you. And Lord, I pray that you would, you would cause them to see and to know the truth of your love for them and the, the, the glorious inheritance that awaits those who receive the gift of salvation, Father. And I pray for them. And I thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Hey, thank you so much for clicking play today, and I will talk to you next time. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you, he loves everyone else, and please don't forget to feed the ducks.